0: This is the close. This is it. Last message in the series of all the scary stuff. And I, uh, I hope to stick around for the end. <laughs> this is the one, man. This stuff freaks people out. People see things that they, they didn't, that, you know, weren't there. They hear things that weren't said. They react in ways probably that they will regret later. This is a real phone call that we got this uh, last week relating to the series. Real phone call relating to the series. Check this out. I might rather call back, but I don't know. But I just wonder who in the hell has appointed you all the one to tell us that the end of the earth is coming. I might call back. It just sort of stinks anyhow. Goodbye. Why <laughs> you that way, laugh. To me, that's hilarious, man. That, would you waste your time if you did Like, I have never called a kingdom hall and been like, hey, let me bust it out for you what I believe, you know. It's, it's, I don't understand that, I guess. It's just awesome. But I do understand reacting crazy to prophetic things. When I first learned of prophecy, I was a teenager. And I was a new Christian. And I could not put the pieces together. I was about 14 years old. And all I got of prophecy was this: If you don't accept Christ, you'll get your head chopped off. If you don't take the mark of the beast, six six six. That was it. That was all I got. I mean, I'm walking around with that fear, no understanding, no realization that I was going to miss that because I was a Christ follower, no matter what was going to take place. And so I had those moments, like I mentioned to you last week, and. That wasn't the only one, but I thought you may enjoy this one. So I can kind of relate to freaking out. I'm waiting on my dad to pick me up from church because I'm not driving yet. I'm waiting on him to pull into the driveway with a black and silver S10. So I'm standing there and, and all at once I can see through the sheer shears the this blue Chevy truck. All at once these red lights kick on. Woo! Over the bullhorn, I hear this. Come out with your hands up. My mind, I had just watched a movie about not taking the mark of the beast and then chopping your head off. The Manchurian switch, candidate switch flipped. I turned and did a a hurdle, one move. Over an ottoman, when I hit the ground, I was running. That was about 60 pounds. I guess that would have been, I could. I could not even do that. I can't even tie my shoes without ripping my jeans out. Okay, that's where I'm at now. But back then, the mobility was not an issue. I run back to my bedroom, and I just stand there in a, in a complete look of shock. And my mom comes back, and she says, what in the world is wrong with you? And I, I of like John Candy in the great outdoors. Big, big bear chase. It better chase me. You know, just couldn't get it out. I just couldn't breathe. I was like, 666, shot my head off or whatever. She goes, what? That's your dad in Gary's truck. Get out there, you know. This stuff just freaked me out, man. And I could not enjoy it. You know, and then God says to look for his coming. And I'm like, man, I just wanted to avoid it. You know, I mean, I want to be a part of it. I don't want to miss out. But can I not think about it? And the answer was no. So we got to look at this thing from a healthy perspective. We've got to see what God really has to say, and we're going to check that out today. We're going to go over, let me, uh, let see where's all the markers, there's one. I need this. Let Let me just give you a brief overview, okay, of some of the things that we've covered. Let me do this really quick. Get this in the light. There we go. All right, let me show you something really quick. Okay, so we've got this continuum. None of this stuff, by the way, has happened. All of this is future but imminent like it could happen today. The moment Jesus rose from the dead, all bets were off. Something to really pay attention to, we talked about this early on in the series with signs, is the nation of Israel is a reality. Anybody that studied biblical history, biblical prophecy, have known through the ages that Napoleon, the Caesars, the Pope, Hitler was not the Antichrist. Here's why. Israel wasn't a nation. In 1948, Israel became a nation. So it's kind of like summer's getting ready to come, and that's how you know. The buds are on the trees. It's about here. So there's an imminent return of Christ. Like they were expecting Jesus to return right after he rose from the dead, and that was the great expectation, and it still is today. But we're really close. It could be be today. It could be in your lifetime or my lifetime. May it be so. That would be awesome. But none of this has happened. So the next thing on God's timetable is the rapture. After the rapture, you're going to have a period of time called the tribulation. 3.5 years of peace, seeming peace. There's 21 judgments poured out on the world. 3.5 years of hell on earth. I'm talking that it makes hell racer, it makes Constantine. The seeds from that look like King's Island. Makes it look like a Peanuts Christmas, man. We're talking about a time we don't want to experience. All kinds of things. Now, there's going to be some seemingly wild things that take place. One world government. Can you picture that? One world government. One world religion. Can you get your head around that? That's hard for me to get my head around. One world economy. It's just unbelievable. But all that will take place here. On the biblical timeline, you have this right here, you have Armageddon. Actually, Armageddon is not a big I can't spell it right, you get it, Armageddon. Spelling's not my forte. You know, if you judge me on spelling, man, you'll find another church. It's the thought that counts, you know. I spell like my son, tree, T-R-E, you know. Armageddon is a series of battles. When the Antichrist and his armies move against Israel, at that moment, you have the second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming of Christ. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Did you know that that's a song? Not a Christmas carol. wasn't, Isaac Watts never intended that to be a Christmas carol. That was a song written about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you've you've got the second coming. And then on the scale... You have the at that moment you have the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. Oh man, all you greedy people are going to love it. It's going to be what you hoped it would be. All the peace lovers are going to love this time. This is when the nations really get along. There will be no peace treaties needed. God will reign supreme. Christ will reign supreme. There'll be no wars. There'll be no fear. There'll be the government ran the way you thought it should. There'll be equity. There'll be fairness. There'll be opportunity. And Christ is going to be seated at the throne of that. At the end of that, there's the last battle because there's people that have have been born during this time that don't know Jesus Christ. Satan has been bound for this whole time. He's loosed. He gathers again for the final battle. Did you know Armageddon's not the final battle? This is the final battle. At this moment, the enemy's destroyed. Going to look at this, uh, we're going to look at this today. Then you have the new heaven and the new earth. This is why Jesus taught hey, listen, man, moth and rust does corrupt. Don't get a hold of things too tight here because, because this stuff's going to end one day. You don't not only get to take it with you when you die, the memorials built in your name, the great works that you do as a leader. The things that you give and invest in people's life, as far as the earth, will not last. None of the placards, none of the monuments, no matter what they're made of, is going to last. God will destroy it all, creating new heaven and new earth. During this time, there's the marriage supper of the Lamb. But there's also something we're going to look at today. We're going to look at this. We're going to look at this today. And I want you to know that there's two judgments that every person will face one of two according to the Bible. You're going to be surprised to know that it's not based on what denomination you are. Isn't that awesome? How you kept up family traditions, your dress codes, your music styles, even your favorite team. I know the Detroit Lions fans are happy about that one. But this judgment is based on what we're going to look at today. And we're going to begin with the judgment seat of Christ. I want you to look at this with me in 1 Corinthians I believe that's the right chapter. 1 Corinthians 3, we're on, the right, we're on the right road. Because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now, others are building on it. So just kind of hang with us on this. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already laid, Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I'm going to reiterate what Jesus said in John chapter 14. That he's the only way. There's going to be a lot of guys claim to be the way. There's going to be guys do miracles. But faith in God, eternal life, is built upon one, Jesus Christ. That's the toughest part about Christianity. That's the toughest part about the message of Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, man. What about Confucius? Come on, man. What about Islam? Come on, man. What about Catholicism? Come on, man. What about being a Baptist? Come on, Jay. You're antiquated. The Bible says Jesus is the foundation. That he's the one that died. That he's the one that was buried. Here's the kicker. That he's the one that rose again. And because of that, we can have have a connection with God. And that our faith is based on that alone. Here we go. Anyone who builds, after you accept Jesus Christ, did you know you're a builder, you're in a race, you're on a team. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, and straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. You don't get a choice whether you get to build. You don't have a choice whether you're going to build. It's, it's a reality as a Christ follower. The builder will be saved. Sorry, what well, verse 15? Okay, let me read this. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. People ask me all the time, is that a lady call, Jamie? Are you guys at once of grace, always in grace church? Yes. Once you make a real connection with Jesus Christ, you don't lose it. There's the proof. Does that mean you can accept Christ? We're going to see this a moment and go Do whatever you want? No. That's not what it means. Does that mean that you can ask Jesus in your life just kind of sit on your hands and be like, okay, I believe, and you have a fire insurance, no, 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 no. That's not the way it works. Every Christ follower will sit, stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is not to be judged, but to be reviewed. Jesus Christ is the hope of our salvation. I want you to know this. Some of you are afraid of pulling the trigger on following Jesus Christ Because you're afraid you can't live it, you can't believe it, you can't, I mean, you're just tough. There's no way that I can do this. And so, what you've got to realize is this. You live the life, you follow Christ, you overcome things, you let go of things, you bring things into your life because because of Jesus Christ. Not only because of Christ, but by his help, by his love, and by his power, you can be a follower of him. You you can follow him after you accept him as your savior. You can do great exploits for God. You can have hurts and, and stuff removed from your life. You can discover and apply and obey and surrender and submit. Submit just means to say yes. Because everybody faces the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is known back was known back then that this it was. If you look at the translation, as the bema seat. The bema seat had several uses: military court and all this. But what the Bible seems to refer to, in other passages, is this: when you had an athletic games in those days, you would stand before the bema seat for two things. The first time you stood, you know, the first part of being before the bema seat, what was knowing Jesus what was was knowing the rules of the game, learning the boundaries learning what you were supposed to do, what event you were supposed to take place in, all of that kind of stuff. At the end of the events, you stood before the Bema seat to receive your award. They didn't critique how you threw the javelin or how you boxed. You were rewarded according to your effort. You were rewarding according to your effort in the case. The Bema seat... It's Jesus Christ moment when we face him one-on-one, face-to-face, no one standing with you to receive your reward. And we're going to see what that's about. That God has these rewards that he wants you to take place in. And it's a sobering thought. When I thought about this, I thought, okay, there's people, God, that have just accepted you as their Savior on this piece. There's people that, that have been, accepted you for a long time. My biggest concern was not guilting and shaming because I could see this wall. I through this church and I know some of the walls that I hit when I communicate. So I said, Lord, I just, I want to lay this stuff down. I want you to lay it down for them because this is so sobering. It's going to be easy to reject God. So I need your wisdom and I need your power for presentation. And the thought just came to me. This is the one-on-one with Jesus. This is where we give an account, how we use our God-given talents and gifts. This is where we, we, we receive reward for how we spend our time. This is where we receive our reward if we put into practice what the Bible teaches. This is where we put in, this is where we receive our reward for serving, for giving financially, for confessing sin, for seeking God, for reaching out to unsaved unchurched people. How we treated other believers. This is is the the point we give an account for how we surrendered our flesh and how we lived and what we focused on. We're going to be rewarded for these. Think about this with me. It's motives and faith and action and opportunity. Did I believe enough as a follower of Jesus Christ? I mean, there was a moment in my life I was coming on life's journey, and I came to that spot where I realized, man, something is missing. Whatever that, whatever, I did not know. But through a series of whatever, all our stories are different That know Jesus. The gospel of Christ was revealed. That Jesus died and was buried and rose again. If we call on him, if we believe on him, if we receive him. If we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that God would save us. And so we do that. And we begin this journey with Jesus Christ. And the journey is not easy. Can I get an amen? That's right. Because you have the same fleshly desire that you had back here. You still struggle with arrogance just like you did back here. You still struggle with fear just like you did back here. You still have a propensity for addiction just like here. Here's the difference. Now you've got Jesus. Now you've got the Spirit of God. Now you've got help you didn't have before. Now you have not only the hope of eternal life, but the hope of an effective life. And you begin to walk that journey. So many times, it's that we hit a wall and we stop. On the other side of the wall, and everybody's wall is different. Some people's wall, it's, it's your sensitive feelings. I mean, you're just you're just an emotional basket case, or you're a ball of nerves, or you're just sensitive, whatever the case may be. Nothing wrong with those things. God's given you that sensitive heart, but if you don't surrender it to Jesus Christ, Bang, everything sidetracks you. So it's extremely driven. God has given you that drive to succeed and to compete. It is of God. But if you don't surrender it to Him, it becomes self serving. It becomes a chess game of manipulation. It becomes all what you can do for yourself. But maybe if you turn that thing on its ear and you apply that to the that one day when you stand before the beam of seat and by faith begin to serve Jesus Christ with that truly competitive spirit, God will redeem that thing and you will turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. Some of us, it's great fear. Some of us, you live in fear. And fear is when you're afraid to try, you're afraid to listen, you're afraid to attend. I mean, you, you only come once every six weeks because you're afraid of what you're gonna hear to be responsible for it. And God took people just like you who got a glimpse of the beam of seat, the reward seat and said, listen, I need you to take the spirit of fear. And some of those very people who were afraid to acknowledge God were killed for his kingdom. Fear was eradicated. But as long as you manage what you cannot control, Instead of bringing it to God, which feels out of control at the beginning, you just keep hitting the same wall. And God's saying, Christ follower, I can, I can tear down that wall. I can remove that stuff. I can heal those hurts. I can be the deal breaker, difference maker. I'm the foundation of faith. If you'll come to me, if you'll believe enough to discover and try with the right motive, you'll get a reward. Because you get a reward for believing and receiving and taking action. You get a reward for believing. You get a reward for receiving that truth and then putting it into play. But it won't be perfect. It will be messy. God allows for mess-ups. God allows for screw-ups. God allows for you getting off track. First John 1 9, I mean he allowed it, he taught it. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he said, Listen, you're gonna mess up. <laughs> you're gonna mess up. There was a fearful guy in the room, you're gonna mess up. There was a perfectionist in the room, you're gonna mess up. That was an artist for them. I don't know about that. You're gonna mess up. There was Mr. Justice in the room. Well, Pete, Mr. Drive. Well, I've got to do this, why don't they have to do it? I've got to do it. Why does she have to do it? Jesus like, eh, don't worry about that I'm slick. There was a justice gathering. There was a guy that struggled believing anything in the Bible that he couldn't touch. Jesus removed that from his life, and he was sawn in two for the gospel in India. He was taking the gospel to the beautiful Southeast Asian people, and they rejected Jesus, some of them at first, and they cut him in two with a saul. I'm talking to a guy that said, I'm not going to believe unless I touch your hands. There was all that represented. Jesus removed all of that for them to follow Jesus Christ. If you believe enough to discover and try with the right heart, God is going to reward you greatly. One of the things this does for me, for those of us that are busy, you know how busy bodies but busy doing stuff, is to keep the motives pure. When I worked on this message, I began to flash some of the moments I have spiritually in my life. Boom, boom. this person led to Christ. This person had a conversation with. This message, and I wondered, oh my God, are all of those going to be one hand stubble? Because I know the jealousy I feel sometimes. I know the validation I want to deal with the works that I do sometimes. I know that's in my heart. I said, God, will I have anything that stands the fire? It's a so great moment. And on top of that, I mean, I'm a Christ follower, just like many of you. On top of that, I've got to give an account for everything that takes place in the church. Did you know when you stand before the beam of seat as a Christ follower, you won't stand there holding your wife's hand? I know I know that, I know that she's a spiritual barometer in your house, but not that day. I know, I know you kind of wait for her to take leave, you kind of appease her, but not that day. Some us we think we're going to stand with a team with our button and no, it's going to be alone. For those of us in ministry, even my staff will not stand. They will give an account for their lives, but I will stand before the beam of seat for life in my church. What was taught up here, what was done up here, what took place over there, and it's sober yet. God sold soldier accountable. But it's not just about accountability, it's about reward. With the responsibility comes a great opportunity and a great reward. The judgment seat of Christ, the beam of seat. But there's another one called the great white throne judgment. I want you to look at this with me in Revelation 20. Revelation 20. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, the earth and the sky fled from his presence. But they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing, before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they have done as recorded in the books. See, people think they can hide. They can run. They can avoid. In the old days, if you you wanted to bury something, you threw it in the ocean. Nothing could catch it. Nothing could find it out. That's why God said the sea gave up its dead. And death in the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according Oh, they weren't judged according to grace. They weren't judged according to the blood of Christ. So all the good deeds, all the bad deeds done dirt cheap. Thank you. They were all there. They all will be there. The death and grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded. And the book of life Was thrown into the lake of fire The book of life Your name is in the book of life If you've believed on Jesus Christ And called on him as your savior It's there today If you haven't, it's not there With the great white throne judgment Here's the key Everyone that faces does so Because they rejected Christ Everyone stands who've rejected Jesus Christ And died without Not that you, you know, didn't get saved the first time Or that you got saved Or, you know, today you're going to get saved I'm talking, you know You just said, no, 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 no. Flatline. It's over. Anybody that doesn't accept Jesus Christ before the rapture that's alive today, that has heard the gospel, will never be saved. So that ultimate rejection of Christ, you you trade reward for rejection. Nobody can claim amnesty because Jesus died and rose again. There's no repeals. There's no second chances. There's no no tears that will turn it around. Nobody can speak up for us that day. The reasons will be as many as those that experience it. But their decision has sealed the deal. God does not want anybody to face the judgment. We know that they will because of Revelation 20. But when Jesus made this promise in Genesis 3.15 that I'm going to send a Savior, that I'm going to send the one that can get rid of this curse called sin. And when he came on the scene and he he was God in the flesh and he proved it when he died and rose again, God said, I put that roadblock flashing sign warning light in the way you see, people drive right past the toll booth boom, into an eternal destruction. And God hates that. God doesn't want that. God desires for you and I to never be separated from him. And if we turn from sin to Christ, all that stuff's removed. We become God's kid. And God said it here in, in Revelation, that, you know, the some would, in 20, the whole chapter, he said some would not believe out of arrogance and pride and avoidance and delusion and religion and desire of evil and religious traditions and self-destruction, but he can remove all of that. Jesus Christ can remove anything in your life that's keeping you from him today. Jamie addiction, he can remove it. Fear, he can remove it. Avoidance, he can remove it. Delusion, that, you, that you're somehow the exclusion he can remove that. This fear of what people think or this ego that you cling to that, that you just, you know, or this or this shame that, that says, I can't, God could never accept me. God can remove all of that. You can become a follower of Christ. You can become a child of God. We have a choice. Surrender for the person that doesn't know Christ. I mean, honestly, you're choosing rejection letting that go and you get acceptance. You, you stop letting religion or excuses be a crutch and you get Christ being your hope. You actually can take that push back and you can trade it for peace open-ended. You can trade eternity for emptiness. Because at the end of you is emptiness. At the end of wealth is emptiness. At the end of fear is emptiness. At the end of pride is, er- is emptiness. The, at the end of the of, of shame, it's emptiness. You know that. God says, straight out for me. Let, me. let me have that. Give that back to me. Trust me as your Savior. As a Christ follower, I'm talking you today with this message as a believer of Jesus Christ. You can trade confusion for comfort. You can trade false guilt for faith conviction." I am so glad in the past two months, I have experienced godly conviction, but I could never define it. It was like, you know, hey, once you learn your ABCs, I don't know, I just know my ABCs. Once you learn conviction, I don't know, I can just, you, know, you can just kind of know. Conviction leads to life. Conviction leads to grace, it leads to truth, it leads to relief. False guilt and shame leads to self-abuse, running, addiction, all of that. You can trade your plans that aren't going to work for God's purpose. You can, trade about, you can trade feeling bad about what you don't know to following by faith what God reveals. So you look at this thing, you're like, I could never or, you know this life. you look at this thing like, okay, I'm going to stop here. I've got the fire insurance and I'm done with this. I don't want to serve and I don't want to give. I can't do that. I can't afford it. I don't have time. I, I can't understand the Bible. I, I feel bad. I don't know how to pray. You got all these things. God says, let's pray that for me. Discover one little truth, and with the with the right motive, begin to apply that. You are I've like, got to learn how to pray, but you said to pray, so I heard the prayer, just talking to you. I'm going to talk to you. So you just bring that. God begins to in your life. God, I don't understand the Bible. Would you help me understand the Bible? I'm just going to read it, and I hope you'll speak to me. And I just, I've got the right motive. I want to learn more about you. God begins to speak to you. You're kind of keeping your faith to yourself. And so as we just do that, we, we get saved. We haven't got it all figured out. We don't want to go public with it. And God says, "Let's get baptized after you've gotten saved. Or, or invite your friends from work out. And you're like, man, I don't know what to do with this. I But you said to, to bring people to you. I don't even know how to do that. But I know if I bring them to church, maybe what happened to them will happen what to me. Will happen to them so I'm going to do that. So I learn how. You said to identify with you in believer's baptism. I'm kind of afraid, God. It just seems like a monumental step to identify with you, and then God's like, well, remember I just saved you, so that's really the big step, so this is really kind of like a second celebration step. You already took the first hard step, so what if we did that together? You get to obey with the right heart, taking action. What you begin to find is you find peace replacing anxiety. You find hope replacing helplessness. You find that seeing life change replaces living stuck. You quit going from being me-centered to making a difference, and it feels unbelievable. You go from hurt to healing. You, you, you will actually go, believe it or not, this is amazing. You'll go from blaming and making excuses and avoiding to believing God for great things, not only.